0: Welcome to City on a Hill's podcast. This week's podcast can be downloaded on iTunes or our media library at chccny.com. As you guys can see, Pastor James is in with us today. Um, The series on Back to the Future will be continuing. On that note, though, what we're going to talk about today has a lot of correlation to that. Just the understanding of being prepared, being prepared. For God coming back, for God's return, um, and a people that are passionate in pursuing Christ. Um, it's exciting. It's an exciting time, and I know I've spoke with Pastor James throughout the week, and he's excited to come back and f- to jump back into that series um, during this season. With that, I would like to start off with uh, some prayer. So, Lord... Lord, may today be about you, Lord. May every person that came out here today, Father, may they prepare their hearts right now to experience you, Father, to know that you are in this house, that you're dwelling in this place, Father. May we open up our eyes, Father, our spiritual eyes. May we open up our hearts, Father, to hear from you today, Father. Father. Lord, as a speaker today, may no word and may no sound or utterance be of me, Father, but may it all be of you, Father. May as a body, Father, we realize the power that you've given us, Father. May lives be changed today, Father. May joy be in the room today, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, it is Christmas season. Yeah, okay, yes, all right. And with that comes the shopping and, uh, and um, what else? The gifts, right? The Christmas parties, the cookies, the cake. If you could say one thing that kind of starts the Christmas season, like if you could say what's one thing that really gets the Christmas season going, what would you say it is? The music. The music. Yes, it is the music. Um, that definitely is the start of it. Now, I will say this. Pastor James has been speaking a lot from Revelations, um, and in that, I don't know if you guys are aware, there is an 11th commandment. You know we have 10. There is an 11th commandment, and it goes something like this. Thou shalt not play Christmas music before Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. Now, I do know there are some habitual rule breakers this commandment in this room. I'm not going to say anybody like our pastor in the front. Or my wife, my wife could have Christmas music going in like July, and it is painful. And the worst part is, she's converted my children. I'll have like little Jeremiah back there, he's like singing like uh, Santa Claus comes out. No, he's not. Santa Claus left months ago. Um, The music, with that. The other thing that comes with Christmas is the snow, right? The, the winter season, the snow comes out, and I think of, like, how beautiful it is. We have songs that go with it, please. Good old Dean. Oh, Come on. The- oh. yeah, you're so delightful. Here it comes. Here it comes. Let snow, let snow. Yes! Thank you. Yes! That first snowfall, look at this scene. Me and, me and Mary talked about this this morning. We're like, wow, that's just like such a pretty scene. Is that a lake? Is that the sunrise or a set? Like, just everything about it. It's just like something so nice about it. That 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 atmosphere that the snow brings when you get the fireplace, you get a blanket, you're warm, you have to stay inside. like... It is a beautiful thing. And then (laughs) December passes, January passes. We get into February (laughs) and things change significantly. All of a sudden, it is make it end. Dean Martin never sing a verse again in life. We do not want the snow. I mean, we all remember last year. We were like in March. We're in April, I mean, and it was still snowing. Like, what is going on? And what you realize is that winter is good up until a certain point. Like, it's we. I'm like, listen, I love love the snow. I there's there's so many things about it that I love. But what I hate is having to pay that extra oil bill. I, I despise that. I hate when my car is like just filthy from all the snow and the sand and the salt, my kids being in my house all winter. (laughs) That is a lot to take. It needs to end. (laughs) There are seasons, right, that we're all comfortable with if it's just for a period of time. There are seasons in life that we get, that we can say, all right, I I get it that there's going to be, life is hard. How many times have we heard that? Life is hard. All right, yeah, I I get it. But when it's hard for a long time, when it's a long time, like I'm okay with knowing that there's going to be a trial tribulation, like, hey, you're going to go through some stuff for like a month. All right. For like two months. When it hits like a year, when it hits two years, Like when that season becomes very difficult and trying, things start to like start to question some things. Like what's going on, God? The message today is just that there are long seasons. There are some long seasons. But where are we at in those seasons? You know, I was thinking about just... I purposely turned this and then take it. Um, just what some of that is. Like when I think of winter, right? It's a long season and I think even last year, you go, wow man, it just never would end. And sometimes in life you feel like those seasons never will end. And there's something about it though that is so beneficial i remember is uh, i actually looked it up it's 2012 we had a very like light season it was like a very short winter not a lot of snow and it was like it was good i remember i remember people talk about it, like oh thank god it wasn't that bad and everything else and then the summer hit and there was highest percentage of ragweed ticks mosquitoes because we didn't have a long winter it caused for us to have a bad summer. Sometimes, those long seasons are there for a purpose. A couple of little quick little fun things about winter. Cold winters. Kills off bugs, takes mosquitoes, why I just said stink bugs. Winters. Studies have been shown that when we have longer, drawn-out winter, people have more meaningful conversations on the phone. People connect more during long winters. Did you know? That long winter actually curbs the pain in joints and actually helps the body to rejuvenate, helps burn fat. Who needs a diet? Just have winter all the time. There's trips to Alaska. (laughs) It boosts your appreciation of the sunlight, and guess what? This is my favorite one. Fruit actually tastes sweeter. Fruit actually tastes sweeter. When you go through a long season, Sometimes for a very good reason. When you go through a long season, sometimes for a very good reason. And I don't know what your season is right now. I don't know if it's, well, I'm in this job and I can't stand this job and it's just like it's a toxic environment and I'm in a season of it and I just wish it would end. I don't know, I don't see an end to it. Or, I don't have a job, and I'm looking, I'm looking, and I'm just waiting for the opportunity, but this season seems to be lasting forever. Or my child, he got diagnosed with, with some type of physical or terminal illness or something going on, and I don't know what to do, and this season seems to be lasting forever. Or I'm in a conflict with my best friend, or, or, or whatever it is that you're going through. My marriage is, is falling apart, and it seems like this season's lasting forever. And you seem, it feels like, well, what am I doing wrong? Well, what if I said you're not doing anything wrong? What if I told you today that this is God using an opportunity to transform you? Hear me out. I'm not saying God brings on any bad things to you. I'm not saying that. You've heard that message in this church before. But I am saying God uses everything for his kingdom, for his good. And whatever you're going through your life right now, understand this right now that the glory of God will have the, the exclamation point at the end of that story to say that he's using it for his kingdom. So, that brings me into our story. Um, I am a big, like, uh, I, lo- I love stories, I love narratives um, about people's lives. And in preparing for this, it really jumped out at me when I was thinking about it, um, Moses. And If you are new to church, new to your Christianity, you don't know much about Moses, I probably am going to make an assumption that you do or at some point have heard of Moses. He's like one of those people that like, he's just known. There's been movies about him. In fact, I remember growing up, and my parents would watch the old Moses movie, and it was awful, and I will still say that it was awful. And I remember my dad loved the one part where he talks about Moses, and he's wrestling the crocodiles with his cousin, or his cousin's upset about it or something. I'm like, this is terrible. And then I got a little older, and they made the animated movie, Prince of Egypt. And it's, you know, it's Moses and his Ramses, and they're like friends, and then Moses goes away, and it's all this confusion. And I always felt like I knew the story of Moses. Until I read it this time. And there's so much about the story that just came out at me. And I saw it from a, a completely different perspective and different lens. So if you aren't aware of the story of Moses, where we are at is Pharaoh. He is, or the Egyptians, Pharaoh, they're over the Hebrews. The Hebrews are enslaved. And Pharaoh sees that the Hebrews are multiplying like crazy. So he says, you know what? I'm sending my guards out and they're going to kill off all the male children. Okay, um, so in that, right, Moses, he's, he's born, his mom takes him three months later, puts him in the Nile River, he goes down the Nile, coming uh, down the Nile, oh look, Pharaoh's daughter's there. She sees Moses, oh Moses, such a cute baby, I'm gonna adopt him. Oh, luckily enough, there's a Hebrew girl, which is Moses' sister. Oh, Hebrew girl, do you know anybody that can nurse Moses? Sure, she takes him, then brings him back to Pharaoh's daughter. Pharaoh's daughter now raises him in the house, Then from there, what ends up happening? One day, Moses figures out that he's adopted and he kills this guy. That's how I thought the story went. However, I was so wrong. So here's the story. Moses, I I mean, this kind of blew me away, right? Moses, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. Then they saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's demand. Couple things. Never in the story have I ever thought about Moses' father. I never thought about, like, just Moses' mom. I never thought about his dad. Moses' dad. Let's talk about him Aram, his father. He's known for his faith. He's known to be a mighty man of faith. In fact, first century historian Josephus wrote this. Rather depend on his own ability to conceal Moses, Aram decided to, to depend instead on his dream that God has given him. Thus, not, thus, he did not abandon Moses to the Nile River, but rather to the care of God. Moses' mom and dad were people of extreme faith. When it goes back here and it talks about that they, they were okay, they were not afraid to disobey uh, the king's command, it's because they knew who their God was. When his mom took Moses and put him in the Nile River, she just wasn't saying, oh, I hope he survives. She's saying, I know who my God is. I know who my God is of my child. I am trusting him in my God's hands. Sometimes in life, Sometimes in our seasons, things are so big, things are so bad that we can't have control over anymore, so we have to take the blessing that God gave us and give it back to God because he said, I'm the one who's supposed to carry it from the beginning. You're the one who's supposed to enjoy it. That's where we're going with this. Moses, so going back to the unusual child, in other versions or in translations, it says that unusual is actually favored mean favored or divinely favored. That this child's from God, and this is so important to his story, so important to his story. What happens from here? Parents in full faith and full trust of who God is and who God is of their child takes the baby, puts him in the Nile, goes down the Nile. Yes, Miram, his sister, is following, watching, watching. It ends up coming to Pharaoh's daughter by happenstance, right? God doesn't have a hand on that at all. She then says, look at this baby. I'm going to keep this baby, but I need somebody to nurse this baby. Hey, Hebrew girl, find somebody to nurse this baby. Now, here's Miriam, his sister, right? Just work with me here. Okay, mom takes my brother and puts him in the Nile, and mom was just nursing him. And now Pharaoh's daughter needs somebody to nurse him. I wonder who would that be? (laughs) She takes him right back to his mother. Talk about a confirmation of faith. Could you imagine? God tells you that you have a special child. Something in life is saying, God, God, I can't handle this. My son's going to die. I got to give him to you. And God goes, okay, here you go. You got him right back, and now he's protected forever. Want to know how long she nursed him? Story is debated. Anywhere from two to eight years. Anywhere from two to eight years, his parents had Moses in their care. What would you say over your kid? When something like that, when a miracle like that happens, you cannot tell me that every single chance that they had him in their arms, they weren't praying over him or talking about the blessing he was or who he was or who he would be and who God was in him. This This is not my message today. But parents, grandparents... We need to speak to our kids, life and our kids. The reason why Bethany's house is so special, the reason why it's so special right now in this moment is because there's people in that building right now speaking to our kids' lives, telling them who they are, telling them who they are in Christ, that they hold on to it the rest of their lives. There's a strong message being said right now that these kids know who they are, and that sticks with them. I'll tell you what, I'm a product of this building. I'm a product of this church, this family. I am not in this room. I'm not even talking about being up here. I'm not in this room if it wasn't for the people that spoke into my life at a very young age who told me who I was in God's kingdom. Moses knew who he was. He knew who he was. This is why I can speak so strongly to that. I'll even give you a second just to read on your own. It was by faith, it was by faith, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What? Like, I honestly, so for me, just the way I think, I, as a lot of you know, as a social studies teacher, I always try to put myself, interject myself in the story on multiples, like, parts. And I don't want to say that Moses was rude, but Moses was rude. Could you imagine, like... We're having a big banquet, a big party, and somebody's like, hey, Moses, mom said come, get you know, your alligator steak. And he's like, that ain't my mama. (laughs) Are you kidding? Like, he lives in the palace. And they're like, Moses, your mom needs you. Stop calling her my mom, all right? Got my own mom. Like, what? What? This is a big deal. One, like, this is like where I really I'm telling you guys I dove in. I was reading like everything I could. Do you know Moses had a chance to rule twice? The lineage of pharaohs, Moses could have been the ruler. He could have been one of the Egyptian pharaohs twice and rejected it. Said no. Moses knew he was Egyptian. In my head I always thought there was like that moment that they sat him down or you know, he read something it's like Oh, my God, I'm adopted. That didn't happen. He knew. He knew that he was something special to the Hebrew people. He knew. Now, again, social studies teacher in me, love, revol- I mean, curriculum, we talk about revolutions. I love them, I do. I love not just The revolution happening. The leaders of revolutions. I love knowing about them, their conviction, and why they're able to do that. Like these are men um, and women that like stood their ground beyond so much adversity. But there's a formula for them to be successful. There's, There's certain things that they needed. Stature. I mean, almost all of them was important. They're people of stature. They're like healthy, physically people. Moses. When you talk about like people in Egypt at this time, he's that. Like He's well-fed. He's a guy of good stature. People that lead revolutions, they have to know politics. They have to know not just like how to like go to war, but they have to be able to adjust to the political spectrum to get more people a part of it. Hey, guess what? Moses was trained in politics. People that lead revolutions, they have to know military strategy. Hey, guess what? Moses is trained in military strategy. I want you, to you guys to understand that Moses is the perfect guy to deliver the people. To deliver the Hebrews out of bondage, Moses is the perfect candidate. He has one flaw. He has one major, like, gapping, huge, ginormous flaw. Himself. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his people were and watched them at their <clears throat> and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people, one of his own people. Looking this way and that, and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Again. I had to take myself back for a second and really play this out because my head I always picture like he's beating this Hebrew and then Moses gets all upset and he like jumps on him and kills him. That didn't happen. This isn't manslaughter. This is murder in the first. <laughs> There's a premeditated like thinking here. With me, right? He's beating this Hebrew, he's beating this Hebrew. Well, if he just jumped on him, the Hebrew's still there. Like people are around. That's not what happened. He waited till nobody was around. He sat there and calculated what he was doing. Hey, Bruce, come here, your shift's over. (laughs) Nobody's Bruce in the church. No, no no Bruce's. (laughs) Kills him, covers him in sand while nobody's watching. Moses, you read the text, his people, Moses thought he was delivering his people. He thought he was doing what he was called to do. I don't know. And I try, I try to. I try to it's like, think about what Moses felt that night. I don't know. I don't know if he felt guilt. I don't know if he felt scared. I don't know what he felt. But I know the next day was probably the worst day of his life. The next day, he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in, uh, in the wrong... Why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must must have become known. I'm going to stop right there for a second. Wow. Hey, I'm a prince of Egypt. I'm a prince of Egypt. And I just killed an Egyptian guard... For my people. And in return. They now start mocking me. Or they start like saying. Putting it out to everybody. That I did that. They do not want me. I risked everything that I thought I was. For them. And they don't want me. Within seconds. Gone. Everything he thought about himself. Just vanished. Second part. When Moses heard, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to Midin, I, Midin, Midian. Thank you. Where he sat down, uh, where he sat down by a well. Just so we're clear, you, we are all aware that if you are the prince of Egypt, if you are an Egyptian ruler, if you kill a guard, you're not going to get killed. Like you're, you're above the law at that point. Pharaoh's not trying to kill Moses because Moses killed the guard. Pharaoh's trying to kill Moses because he knows he's against him. He knows he's against him. Everything that Moses knew in his other world, in his Egyptian life, being a ruler, the gold, um, the lavish parties, the the connection, the friends, within seconds, gone. Within seconds, gone. Gone. Moses took upon himself to figure out how he was going to deliver the Hebrews. And within seconds, it was gone. And now, this is where, like, um, this is where that long season comes in. So that long season comes in. So Moses, he flees to the desert. And I looked up how long it took for Moses to get from Egypt to his destination. 285 miles. Never knew that. 285 miles, and I and I and I did. I started to think about that. 285 miles through the desert, and I think of Moses because he didn't like he didn't like pack a bag before he fled, right? I think of him and he has his gold on, probably has his makeup still on because as an Egyptian ruler you would have had that on, and he's in the desert and all of a sudden that bangle. That chain that you had on, that's really hot. And I know for a fact he had to, like, get this thing off me. I don't know if he just threw it or he tried to sell it, but he could not carry that anymore. And his makeup starting to, like, tear leak into his eyes. Um, and at some point, I'm sure he had to wash that off. I think of those first days in the desert, and he's just walking, and he doesn't know where he's going. Is God, Why? God, why do you do this to me? I thought I was supposed to be. I thought this was my destiny. Why, God, why? I'm angry. I have nobody. What is going on? It's lonely. Yeah, I'm talking about Moses, but have you ever felt that way? Have you ever been in that spot in life where Jess feels so lonely, lonely? Like nothing can go right. And you're just like, what am I doing wrong, God? Why? You know what happens after you do those whys? Because I've been there. I'm not, I'm not speaking like out of like just, you know, the text right now. I'm talking about me. I've been there. I've been at that why moment. You know what happens after that? There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking God. Do that for a little while. Staying connected to God. You know what you start to do? start to listen you stop asking why you start to listen cuz you need an answer so bad i need to hear from you so bad god i'm in this i'm in this dry long barren season and i just need to hear from you i just need to see you i just need you and i think about moses and as he's walking through a desert, he hit that point where, I just need you, God. I just need you. I'm looking for you. The story goes on, and Moses eventually gets this well, and, you know, I'm fast-forwarding through a lot. He meets his wife and has a kid, and he's in Jethro's house, and he's now a shepherd, and he's raising Jethro's flock, and, you know, He's now become comfortable in this very new life that he had. He's not, he's not the prince of Egypt anymore. He's just Moses, shepherd. Just Moses, shepherd. But this is what's beautiful about it. This is what like, I love about the desert, about this long season that we're in, because you can't go through it and come out the same. You can't go through this season and come out the same. If you're in a bad, dry season, trust me, Trust me, God's closer to you than you've, He's ever been to you. And guess what? He's transforming you in a way that you can't even imagine how you're going to come out. He's transforming you to do something so wonderful, so wonderful that you can't even contemplate what that is. What, those things that we talked about at the beginning, if you've never had somebody speak into your life and talk about how amazing you are, well, guess what? The King of Kings, the Lord of Heavens, when He created you, He created you to be amazing, to be astonishing. And his message to you is, I have a plan for you. I have a plan for you. So Moses. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of the Midians, and he and he led the flock to the far uh, to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, uh, the mountain of God. There, the angel Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire. It did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. A couple of things that I was thinking about with this. So you are aware, there are burning bushes all the time. Where he was, there are burning bushes everywhere. That's not like, it's, it's, he's in a desert, dry, arid land. There's tumbleweeds and burning bushes everywhere. Just very common. Now, In the movies in Hollywood, they want to make this bush seem like it's burning with like blue flames, and like you know, God comes out in this audible voice, is like Moses, come to me, my Moses, for this is holy ground. That did not happen. That's not the story. There isn't this booming James Earl Jones authoritative voice leading Moses. What is happening? The ordinary happens. The everyday, mundane ordinary happened this message is about hey you're in a long dry season in the ordinary look for God because when you see him he's looking to do something extraordinary in you he's looking to do something extraordinary in you I will go over what Moses do I see something I'm going to stop what I was doing I have a plan for today. I have to get the flock over here. I have to get this paperwork done. I have to get this job done. I have a business to run. I have this. I have that. I have to take the kids there. Hold on. Something seems different about this moment. Let me just stop. Let me stop for a second. Because something, something, seems, something seems to be happening. This strange sight. There's a bush, but it's not burning. I, I mean, I love the Bible. I do. I love it for these reasons. I like this very reason. This isn't just talking about the bush burning. This isn't just talk about a bush that's on fire that's not burning. It's talking about, it's talking about Moses. I'm going to put a fire in you, Moses. I'm going to put a fire in you, Moses. And it's not going to consume you. It's going to be astonishing to the world. Hey, Moses, you don't know this. You have no clue, but everything that you've been going through in life, it's going to be written down for generations, for centuries to read about. You're inspired inspire people because of who I made you. Hey, Moses, I'm going to take you onto holy ground. I need you to take off your shoes, Moses. Coming onto my holy ground. Hey, Moses, I'm going to do signs and wonders with you. What do you mean, Lord? I, I, don't, I, I can't do any of that. Moses, you didn't hear me. I'll do signs and wonders with you. Throw down your staff. I made it into a serpent. I made it into a serpent, Moses. You didn't do anything. You let go. I made it into a serpent. I'll do signs and wonders with you, Moses. Put your hand on your heart. It's a disease, right? Put it on your heart. Now take it out. I was healed. Moses, I'm going to touch your heart in a way. That you're going to be healing to people. You didn't do that, Moses. I did that, Moses. I did that. But, 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 but Lord, I, 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 I I just, I I can't, I can't go, 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 go to Pharaoh and our, our, our ticket. Moses, I know you stutter. Hey, guess what? I don't even know if that stuttering problem happened when he's going through the desert from the trauma that he had. I know you stutter. I know that all of a sudden, you're not that guy. It doesn't look on paper like you're that guy. Guess what, Moses? I'm putting people around you. You are that guy. I don't know what season you're going through right now. I don't know where you're at in life right now. But I'm telling you, God is calling you out to something so much greater than you can ever imagine. James has been preaching about the second coming. Absolutely. That second coming of Christ, talk about being prepared. What does being prepared mean? I'm looking at God every step of the way, and I'm letting him lead this person. I'm letting him lead me. Hey, I don't know what you're going through, but when you made that phone call and just checked up on me, that meant a lot to me. You didn't know it. But I saw Christ in you when you did that. Hey, I'm not really sure what you're going through, but when you sang that solo today, that touched me in ways that you will never know. Because you, because you said that God called me to this ministry and I'll be faithful in it. You're one of the greeters here, and I don't know what you're going through, but every time I walk through that door, you smile at me. Every single time. I don't know what kind of pain or hurt that you go through, but every single time, you still smile at me. You embrace me. I see Christ in you. You're running a business. you expand that business. There's that time that you talked to that lady just about Christ. You just had a dialogue about it, about it and you thought it ended there. But it didn't because... The next day, she talked to her kids about this strange guy that came to her house who was supposed to be doing sprinklers, but was talked to her about Christ. And it changed her. And maybe it didn't change her, but changed her kids. You don't work with wood. You work with hearts. because You come into people's houses and you say, you know what? I want this piece or whatever I'm doing to make your home. To make a home that exemplifies Christ. And I will have a problem sharing that. All of us. All of us. It's not what we're going through in that moment. It's about how we're seeing God. How we're letting God use us. Oftentimes, I'm in school and I do. I have conversations with students that, um, that usually are going through a lot. They're going through a lot and there's adversity. They tell me about it and now I'm the person that's had to give them some type of discipline. I have to spend them for something. I said, well, let's let's get away from that for a second. What do you want? They go on some some like, you know, tangent of what they want. They go, what do you really want? Because the truth of the matter is at the end of the day, Somebody's gonna write a book about me or tell a story about me. So I'm gonna have some type of adversity in it. Every great movie that we like, every, you know, everything that we want to like emulate, there's some type of adversity about it. What we want is at the end of that story to see that person come out, come out from it. But this message isn't about us doing it, it's about Christ doing it. It's about Christ doing it. Are we allowing Christ to live through us and in us. If we're going to be that bridegroom, is that bride ready to say, take me. Take me. I'm ready for you to take care of me in every way possible. Hey, guess what? Rapture's coming. i am be honest. I can't handle that. I can't handle that. I know he can. I know I can lay down my life for him to handle it for me. Long seasons. Long seasons transform us so that God can use us. Music team, please come up. Just in closing. As I get my shoes, <laughs> my prayer is that I've noted. Um, I guess the first time I came up to to speak in church was probably about uh, like five or six years ago. It was almost exactly five or six years ago, um, and. You know, I, I did a couple times, and, you know, it, it was stressful. <laughs> it was stressful. Like, I remember it was stressful. It was, it was tough. And even when you get down, it's, like, so tough. Then I didn't do it for a while, but for very good reasons, for very good reasons. And I realized that, you know, I've had the opportunity to speak to a church a couple times in uh, recent weeks. I realized that what happened in me. I went through a season in life where it was barren and dry. And it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. And in that season, I came to this conclusion, Jamal, you are so inadequate. Jamal, you are not smart enough. You are not, you can't speak well enough. You do not have the, the mental fortitude, all of it. And, you would think that I'm saying bad things, but I'm not. I'm not. Because what I learned in that season, what makes this time coming up so different, is because I know I'm not enough. But I learned in that process, in that time, that Christ is more than enough in me. He is more than enough in me. If you're leaving with something today, leave with knowing that in this season, Christ is more than enough in you. Why I drew my tithes and offering? I write down beyond bless. Because the blessing that I can't even hold or carry is beyond my blessing. That's all God. In the name of Jesus, Lord, I just thank you for this time, this message, Father, this opportunity, Father. I just ask, Father, that you go before us in every way, Father, that in our long, dry seasons, Father, may we know you and be closer to you, Father. May we be like that rock, that rigid rock that gets dropped in a desert, that gets transformed to that smooth boulder, Father that smooth pillar, Father. May you transform us, Father, into usable material, Father, for your kingdom. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Wow. How many of you really heard from God this morning? You know, I I heard this a long time ago, Jamal. It said, Moses spent the first 40 years of his life thinking he was a somebody. The next 40 years finding out he was a nobody and the next 40 years finding out what god could do with a nobody amen amen Amen. Amen. father i we just want to bless you for speaking to us this morning because we've all been in these seasons and maybe all of us are in this season right now certainly the people our brothers and sisters that have come up forward but, Father, we just bless you right now for that encouragement this morning because you know the voices that we hear. And surely Moses heard them himself. You, you've done it. You're dried up. God could have used you, but now, now you're, it's too late for you. So, Father, right now, I just bless you for every brother and sister standing right now at this altar. First of all, Lord, we just resist the devil on every single lie right now yes. that he was, yes. he's been saying and speaking to them right now. Every lie he wants them to believe because, Lord Jesus, Lord, you are a faithful God. Father, first I pray, first I pray that what, what Jamal said this morning is true. Moses' parents had to take that baby and put him in God's hands and give him up. So, Father, we pray this morning for everybody at this altar right now that you will give them the grace, Right, if it hasn't already been done, that you will give them the grace this morning to hand over right now exactly what it is, in their heart, the, the season in their life, that thing, oh God, that, that Jericho in their life, that hard place that they're in, we're asking you right now, Father, not just that thing in their lives right now, but them themselves, them themselves. And, and Lord, right now, I just want to start maybe right there, and I just want to pray with these precious brothers and sisters right now. And would you just, would you just follow me as I pray? Because if you're here this morning, and you came to this altar then the holy spirit led you here and we know one thing that he wants he wants he wants to come in into your life and he wants to bring encouragement to you this morning but this morning let's just let's just make sure this morning that the slate is clean and that you know for sure this morning that you're doing business with God and you're handing over your life completely. Lord, Father, we stand together right now and we, we stand, and, and Jamal and I stand with these brothers and sisters this morning and say, Father, you only work with that which has really been handed over and given to you. So, Lord, we stand together this morning and, Lord, I ask that there'd be such a conviction in the heart of every man and woman standing at this altar, that they will know beyond the shadow of a doubt that just like Moses' parents had that faith, Father, to put that baby in in that cradle, let them get into the cradle this morning, right now themselves, by faith, and absolutely and completely give them that faith this morning to totally hand their lives over to you if they've never done it before. Yes. And if they have done it before, and you feel free to jump in with me, Jamal. And if they have done it, Father, we just want to stand with them this morning, and we just want to stand and say, Lord, they reaffirm their commitment that they belong to you. We can't go any further until that work is transaction is done, brothers and sisters. This morning, we, those that are up at this altar, if that has been done, and you know that you have handed your life over to him, then God has nothing for you except rest and peace because he wants you to know that he is certainly the God of Moses and he's the God that takes nobodies and does amazing things like we heard about this morning. But Father... You're gonna pray for them now right now, Jamal. And we're gonna pray that God will give each of our brothers and sisters right now amazing grace right now in the spot that they're in right now in their lives. Will you do that?
0: Lord Jesus, we, we still we, we we call upon your name, Father. Yes. For comfort beyond beyond anything imaginable, Father. Whatever spot everybody's in right now, Father, we're just asking for As that exact word your amazing grace over them right now lord that they leave here knowing that you are holding them tight that you are there in it with them father that every tear that is shed every piece of pain and every angst father that it's you who holds those tears that you are you are you go before them in everything that they do lord lord i just ask father for just such a closeness to you father in this season father That as they leave this building, Father, that they know, that they know, they know in their hearts that you are so close. You are so close. You are in it with them, Lord. That they are not alone, Lord. Give them grace in this season, Father. That's
1: right. That's right. Let them
0: see you in this season, Father. That's right. Give them ears to hear and eyes to see, Father. That's
1: That's right. That's right. That's right. But, Lord, we also know that when we're in those desert places... And you are, you're bringing us to that place of that holy brokenness. I'm also praying, Father, for every brother and sister standing here. Lord, I'm praying that they anoint their ears, that they can hear you. Yes. That they can hear you. Because you want to speak to them. You You want to encourage them. But Lord, there's some other things you may just want to say. This is what I want to do with your life. And and you're fighting me a little bit here, but I, I want you to just I want you to know you're safe. I want you to know you're safe. But I want to also talk to you about this. I want to help you in this area. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to come closer to me. I want you to know that I'm the God of the in-between. I'm the God of when you leave Egypt and you and you come into the promised land and I'm your God and I'm go all my promises will be fulfilled but right now in this place I want you to come closer to me I want you to turn the television set off I want you to come away from the 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 things that that are constantly taking your attention. I know there are things you've got to do, but the Lord would say, "I want you to come to my feet and I want you to wait on me and I want you to I want to be able to pour my love in you. I have been trying to get your attention. I have been trying to speak my words of love to you. But you're running and running and running. And I'm 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 calling you, my son, my daughter this morning. I'm calling you. To come and be still at my feet. Come and let me talk to you. Don't listen to the people around you. Don't let your own mind be the, your guide. I'm looking to you to come to my feet. In this hour with the pressure that there is in the world around you and the chaos, I want you to come to me. That I can give you my peace. You have my peace. You are a victor in your life. Yes. I am calling you. I am calling you. If you heard me say anything this morning, it's come to me and I will take it all. I will take your pain. I will take your fear. You will walk in and even in the fire, you will glorify me. Don't run from me. Don't run from me. Come to my feet. Come to my feet. Don't fight me. Father, we pray for an anointing on every brother and sister standing here this morning. And uh, Father, I pray for the whole church. I pray for the speakers this morning. Uh, we pray, God, at this hour that you will give us, Lord, we are all busy running. We're running here and there. And Lord, we love you, but Lord, we're so busy running our own lives. And Lord, we're a- Lord, I'm asking you for an anointing in this church to descend upon every one of us from this moment, from this anointed message this morning. We're asking you for an anointing to give us the power to stop running and to come to your feet in our lives. Yes. We're asking for the power this morning to do it, Lord. We're asking for the power to put down the newspaper and pick up your word.
0: Amen. And you
1: will speak to us, Lord. You will speak to us. You're not against us. You're for us. You're for our marriage. You're for our career. You're for us, oh God. Even if man has been against you, God is for you. Even if man has been against you, God is for you. God will have the last word. Yes. God will have the last word. God will have the last word. Lord, we just, we just I release that anointing in this church for the power to respond to you amen. and we play pr- pray a blessing and anointing on every man and woman you it says uh, didn't it say that Moses turned aside when yes. he saw that bush right yes, it Jamal, he turned aside and I want to say that every one of you that came up to this altar
0: amen you turned aside amen that, that you is turned the word.
1: aside that's just what you did yep. did you feel absolutely that? agree Jamal? absolutely agree absolutely and maybe some of you heard and didn't come up come up If you were supposed to come up to the altar, come on up, there's still time. Then turn aside, turn aside and do it now. Do it now. You still have time. If God was talking to you and you didn't do it, there's still time for you to do it right now. Come up. Because God sees, because God sees, because you're not doing it for people. You're doing it because God sees. And God is real. And God sees. And God hears. And you can't pray and God not hear it. It's impossible. You can't believe God and ultimately be disappointed. You can't believe God and be ashamed. That's what his word says. That's what his word says. So, Lord, thank you for every man and woman right now, every brother and sister that turned aside, that saw a burning bush. This was the bush this morning. This was the bush this morning. And everyone that saw the burning bush turned aside and came to God this morning. So that I say from this moment on, there's going to be a power in your life for turning aside, yes. because this is holy ground. Amen. And Lord, we're asking you that we're not just going to endure our time in the desert. We're tired of just enduring, saying, oh, I, well, you know, maybe something's happening. Maybe we don't want to endure it. We want to be people of faith in this desert and say, God, this stinks and I hurt but you're doing something good in my
0: life. Amen.
1: You're doing something good in my life. I want to tell you that God is working in the unseen. He's working in the unseen in ways you cannot see. All we can do is trust him. All we can do is trust him because he's worthy to be trusted, because he's faithful and true. Amen, saints? Amen. Amen. Let's give God a hand.
0: Thanks for listening to City on a Hill's podcast. For more resources, visit us at chccny.com.